at home We knew we were safe To be young enough to dream Find the faith to believe Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello everyone, Colin and I are back with you, continuing to talk from Malachi chapter 2, verses 14 to 16, all about marriage. And we notice another little thing here today, and it begins with the words, The Lord hath been witness between you and your wife of your youth. And I'm thinking about the words, The Lord has been witnessing. Wow, that is pretty amazing, isn't it? God is witnessing everything that's happening in our marriage. He's witnessing all our interactions together. He's witnessing our attitudes to one another. It's it's not hidden. It's all there before the eyes of the Lord. And so, dear lovely ladies, wives, and maybe any husbands listening, We must remember that. Oh, what a difference it would make in our marriages if we were constantly aware of this truth that God is watching and witnessing. Uh, The paraphrase of the Message Bible says, God was there as a witness when you spoke your marriage vows to your young bride. That's another thing he witnessed. He witnessed our vows. Wow, that is powerful too, because at every marriage we say vows. And are we keeping to our vows? Maybe you said something like this, which are very um, just original marriage vows. I love to hear the original, powerful and strong marriage vows. Now, sometimes young couples today like to make up their own vows. Sometimes they can be very wonderful too. Sometimes they can be a little wishy-washy, full of love and all that kind of stuff. But there's more than love that's involved in vows. There's commitment and there's powerful words. And I love to hear a, a married couple speak forth these words. I take you to be my lawfully wedded husband and forsaking all others to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love, cherish, and to obey according to God's holy ordinance. And so we go to Proverbs 2.17, and it talks there about the wife who forsakes the guide of her youth, and forgets the covenant of her God. Yes, when we made vows on our wedding day, it wasn't only a covenant with our husband. 
It was a covenant with God. And God was witnessing. Do you notice it? You're most probably just listening to me. But if you go back to your Bible later, you will see those words. The covenant of her God. It is a covenant with God. And what does the word covenant mean? That word in the Hebrew is berit, and it means a compact made by passing between pieces of flesh as God did with Abraham in Genesis 15. A contract accompanied by signs, sacrifices, and a solemn oath which sealed the relationship with promises of blessing for obedience and curses for disobedience. Well, that's a big meaning, but that's the whole understanding of covenant. And uh, so that's another thing. Marriage is okay. We come to marriage and we're in love. And, and, but, you know, life is not perfect. Life is not easy. And things happen and things are said and things are done. And love can sort of fly out the window. But marriage is more than just the love. It is a commitment. It is a covenant to a covenant that we made with God. Amen. Yes, so <clears throat> this covenant, is, as it brings out here, is so important, I think, for us to accept and to think about it and to accept it, as, it's, as it states here, that it's um, <clears throat> a covenant of the guide of her youth, she's got the guide. She was happy to be under guide, being guided by the Lord during her young, but young days. And now she's got married, and somehow, and her husband <clears throat> is now her guide. And husband yeah. is now her guide, and also the Lord, as well. And she's forgotten the, the God of of the covenant here. That's what it mentions. So she's she's desecrated that by by getting entertaining others in a marital way into her lives or in a fornicatory way into her life. This is tragic. And um, and I think we need to realize just how the covenant we make is not just with our wives. Um, and so many people think that. I think it's just what people just take for granted, that my covenant is with my wife. But no, this covenant is with the Lord as well. It's such an important thing. I think that could revolutionize a lot of marriages if we if we understand that when we're going into this covenant. Yes, okay. Let's just keep looking at this wonderful passage in Malachi chapter 2, uh, verse 15. And did he not make one? And then it carries on in the King James, and it's a little difficult to understand. So let's read another translation, the... Um, what is it? The BSB. It says, Has not the Lord made them one, having a portion of the Spirit? The ESV says, Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And then, let's carry on in King James. And wherefore one? In other words, why did God make the man and wife one. The question is asked. And then back comes the answer. Are you ready for it? 
that he might seek a godly seed. Now, this is a very powerful truth for marriage because many couples go into marriage with not a thought of having children. Oh, well, one day they might have children. But so many couples go into marriage today. They have all their plans of what they're going to do and how they're going to get their house paid for and how they're going to get everything they need and they're going to be really set up and they're going to have time to get to know one another and then they might be ready to have children. But that is not God's plan at all. In fact, God makes it very plain here. Why did God make us one? Because he longs for godly offspring. This is what God wants from our marriage. Let's read the New Living Translation. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit you are his. And what does he want? godly children from your union. The God's Word translation says, didn't God make you one? Your flesh and spirit belong to him. And what does the same God look for but godly descendants? And so God is making it very clear here that he looks for the godly seed. He looks for godly children to come forth from our union. So when a married couple uh, get married, they, uh, but they have no thought of having children, they're not really ready for marriage. A- and it's not really a biblical godly marriage. It's just two people living together. For marriage, uh, out of marriage comes motherhood, and that's God's plan. In fact, this is a pretty powerful <coughs> statement, so but let fr- me say it. If a couple <coughs> do not want children, they have a different mindset than God. Can I say that again? If a couple going into marriage don't want children, they have a different mindset than God. They're on a different page than God. They're out of sync with God because that is not his vision for marriage. Especially if they're delaying it. They may want children, but they want children later. You've got no guarantee that there will be children later because you don't want to get everything first. You want to get your home and business and and uh, your marriage solidified and so on like that. But in the having of children, that's all part of marriage. And if we we realize that as we have children, our eyes get more taken up with, with children than just being critical with one another. And so this is a blessing in itself, just having children to bless your marriage. And so many people, are, you know, they're fighting with one another and uh, and not realizing how children can actually stop you from fighting with one another, and it's a it's a tremendous thing. So there are some couples who, yes, they love the Lord with all their heart, their hearts, and they are so wanting to serve the Lord, and, and therefore 
they delay children for so-called spiritual reasons. Yeah. I know many couples who have said to me, well, you know, we, we don't want to have children straight away because uh, we're in the ministry, we're serving the Lord, and, uh, you know, we don't want anything to hinder uh, our serving the Lord. And uh, in the days of mission boards, when missionaries would go out to the mm -hmm. field, not like they do today just for short-term missions, but they would go out for great lengths of time, many mission boards would not accept people who had <clears throat> more than two or three children, which <clears throat> was really and they didn't want against them to the have Word children, of God. Uh, when they didn't want, they have, didn't want them to have children on the mission field. I know, and can you yeah. believe that? Here they are going out to teach heathen people the ways of the Lord and they're teaching them something foreign. And sometimes these, those people have a greater relationship, even in the, amongst the heathen people, Islamics, yeah. for example, have a greater understanding of the value of children. And here there's a, a missionary couple come over to speak to them about Jesus Christ and the ways of the Bible, but they don't have any understanding on the value of family. I know. So the, the heathen to whom they're speaking are having children and they're stopping children. And just imagine how those people that are so-called of, of, of Islamic faith or something, um, can they receive anything from these people if they have no, no great value on the family? So God is such a family God. He seeks this. Um, he, he really wants people to get married and multiply, replenish the earth, take dominion, and it's through children raising children in the godly ways of the Lord that will attack the enemy. Um, you know, the, we are raising soldiers. We are raising young uh, babies, and we're having them, and we're raising them in the family for uh, to be godly, a godly workforce, to be a godly influence in the land. We should not be holding back on God in that regard, because if we do, we hold back the ways of the Lord. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a phenomenal thought, but it's true. Yes, and it's not just having children for the sake of having children. Because what did we read here? That he might seek a godly seed. Yeah. Or as some translations say, that um, what does he want? godly children from your union. And so that word godly is actually, it's literally the word Elohim. <clears throat> it's the very first word uh, that is used to describe God in the very beginning. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, Elohim. And now we read the same word. I look, I long for Elohim children. Children who come forth in the image of God and are trained in his ways and will come forth out of the home to bring the image of God, to bring his light and his salvation and his truth to the world. This is God's heart. He longs for godly children. So, okay, we, we are obedient to having children, 
but it doesn't stop there. Then uh, we we become uh, our vision in life. Then is to raise these godly children, raise them in the Word, fill them with the Word of God, and prepare them to be um, lights and heralders of of Christ in this world. Yes. So <clears throat> having these children, uh, multiple children is so important to God. It's not important in today's modern church. They have no understanding of this and have they just do not want to even understand that point because they sort of see as children being a, a kind of a nuisance and getting in the way of, you know, of the couple in their, mission, on their, in their, in their uh, missions of going overseas or anything like that. They, and so this is, this is happening but it's wrong. It's not the way God wants it to be. So godly children are raised by godly parents. And it's bringing about the likeness and image. So we're co-creators with God in the form of bringing our children into having godly education and having godly influence in their lives. And so they will come out of that home or be raised up in that home to be a godly influence in the world. And so we, these children of ours are really raised to be agents in the, made in the likeness and image of God. And so each one of these children, you never know just how far and what great influence they can have as salt and as light. So whatever we are meant to be for God, so are we raising children in that same dimension. Yes. Even to go further than us. Often. Yes, that's so true. Another little thought. You know, I didn't always understand these truths. And I remember in the early days of my marriage struggling uh, with this whole concept because it wasn't taught as I was growing up, even in the church. And, <clears throat> I, you know, I was thinking, wow. Well, if I'm going to be just home with all these children, how can I serve the Lord? And I think that's how a number of couples think, especially those who love the Lord and they just want to serve the Lord. But as I was grappling with this truth, one night the Lord woke me up and spoke these words to my heart. And he said that the perfect will of God for your life will never contradict my existing commandments. Therefore, what was the very first command that God ever gave? The very first words that God ever proclaimed into the ears of man were these words, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. They were the very first words that God spoke to man. And therefore, if we cannot receive them, we are in disobedience. And if we think that, okay, uh, I, I can't have children because, oh, I, I won't be able to serve the Lord, or I won't be able to do this ministry, or I won't be able to do that, it's not God's perfect will. It's our own desires, because God's perfect will will never contradict what he has already said. So I believe that we can serve, we can have, our, have children and serve the Lord. In fact, I think we serve him 
in a greater way by embracing the children he wants to give us. <clears throat> we multiply our ministry. Yes. If it's just going to be us who are doing it, well, it's confined only to us. But as we train children in the ways of the Lord, our ministry is multiplied. The message of God is multiplied. The image of God is multiplied. The more children we have, the more we release of the image of God in the world. Yes, yeah, so... You know, when we deny God, these children, we de deny his image in the world and the, you know, the increasing image of God in the world to fill the whole world. We deny our own blessings with that. And we deny filling eternity with that mindset. So it's, this is something that might, may be new to many people that are hearing this podcast today, but this is absolutely the truth god is in this and there's no way you can find in the bible that he's against having children with the godly people that that love him and walk in his ways he will bless them and will provide for them and god's image and god's ways will be multiplied in the earth and god intends it to be this way yes now we need to look at this a little bit more um that word um, that God said when he answered, what does God want from your marriage? I want a godly seed. That's the word in the King James. Other translations use the word children or descendants. But what is that word in the Hebrew? It's the Hebrew word zerah, Z-E-R-A. And this word, it, it literally means... Um, it can mean the sperm, uh, but it can mean also uh, little children. It can mean teenage children. It can mean adults. It's a word that is used uh, comprehensively from the sperm right up until someone dies, really. It's amazing. When we read the word seed, we, we just think of, okay, seed, well, that's just the sperm. Uh, but it's amazing, ladies. Isn't it amazing that God uses the same word, sperm, seed, uh, the word zerah, he, he uses that same word for the word sperm. And if we read <clears throat> in the King James language, he calls the sperm the seed of copulation. And that Hebrew word is exactly the same word that is used to describe people. They're no longer a sperm, but now they've grown into little children. They've grown into young adults. They've grown into older people. Let's look at some scriptures. Genesis 46 verses 6 and 7. And this tells of how Jacob was coming down from Canaan to Egypt with all his family. And they took their cattle and their goods that they had gotten in the land of Canaan and came into Egypt, Jacob and all his seed, Zerah, with him his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his seed brought he with him to Egypt. Now, 
When Jacob came down from Egypt, did he come down with little sperms floating down with him? No, although the Bible uses that word seed, zerah, it actually means sons and daughters and grandchildren and and, children. So it's little ones and big ones and adults. God uses the same word. That's why it is so powerful when we destroy the sperm. Now there are some methods of contraception that destroy the sperm. We think nothing of it. But God sees beyond where we see. He sees that sperm as a future human being. And therefore, we have to be very careful what we do with the seed. Now, let's look at some other scriptures, shall we? In Numbers 14.24, talking about Caleb. Caleb followed, God says, Caleb followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed, Zerah, shall possess it. And so God is not only wanting to bless Caleb, he wants to bless his future generations. And he calls them seed. But they're not little sperms. They're growing into little children and bigger children and mums and dads and older people. And and they are possessing the land uh, that he took. And and so this is how God sees it. Imagine if Caleb lived in this day and uh, his descendants began to, well, you know, we don't want to have too many children. So they are either having no children or stopping at their one or two well, there wouldn't be many people possessing the land, would there? We think of Phinehas. <clears throat> Remember Phinehas. He was a high priest. And uh, when uh, they were having that problem with the people of Moab coming in and, and uh, committing adultery with the children of Israel, oh, there was one couple of prince of uh, a prince of Israel, and he brought this this Moabite woman into the camp, and and uh, there they were, they they were having sex together, and Phinehas, oh, he was so jealous for his. God and for the holiness of God that he took a javelin and he went in, he put the javelin through both of them. And God was pleased with his stand against evil. And it tells us in Numbers 25, Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace, and he shall have it. And his seed, there's that word again, Zerah, his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God. Once again, God was talking about future generations of people. But the word he used is a word that can be used for sperm or for people. God sees them as one. He sees that sperm that will one day be a future person. What about the New Testament? I love that scripture in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, and it's talking about uh, Abraham and how he paid tithes to Melchizedek. But do you remember what it actually says? 
It's amazing. It says that Levi, not just Abraham, but Levi. Levi, he was his, uh, was he a grandson or great-grandson? Yes, great-grandson. He wasn't even a twinkle in Abraham's eye. But the Bible, the Bible says that Levi, who wasn't even thought of by Abraham, he, Levi, paid tithes to Melchizedek while he was yet in the loins of Abraham. Mm. God saw Levi and even the descendants of Levi in the loins of Abraham. God saw them before they were even born. God goes even beyond the sperm to see even beyond them. He sees who he has planned to be born. Oh my, it's time we got a little bit in sync with God yes, and began think, to think how God thinks, don't you? Yeah, I do, and I think that it's so important here to regard the seed of man, the sperm of man, as a sacred thing because with that, God brings forth his own likeness and, and his own image through that seed. And so we're not to treat it as a common thing, you know, something to be dispensed of so easily and to be uh, manipulated and used in a wrong way. So it's just, it's very sacred to God, very sacred to God. And I think it needs to be seen that way very, very importantly. Yes. We see this over and over again in the Word of God and many instances. I'm thinking of another one, Cyrus. Uh, do you remember Cyrus, king of the four corners of the earth, king of Persia, and how God raised him up uh, to be the one to allow uh, the people of Judah to come back to their land? And Cyrus was prophesied. His name was spoken and written in the Bible a hundred years before he was even born. And he was a heathen king. And yet God spoke his, not just that he was going to be born, but his name. It's just amazing, isn't it? Uh, how God sees. And, and I think of the church today. And we think of the thousands, perhaps millions of godly seeds that God intended to be born, to bring forth his image, Just to show forth his salvation and truth to this world, and they are not here because God's people were deceived and brainwashed, and they limited their families. They limited them to maybe the one-two which is the norm among so many thousands of, of so-called Christian families today. Oh, it seems so tragic. It seems to me like, that, you know, just thinking about it, is even as we're talking here, that even as we as Christians regard uh, abortion as a, a wickedness before God, as something very, very wrong and very evil, so should we regard the importance of preserving and protecting, you know, the sperm and the godly seed from just common, seeing it as an embryo that can be just 
you know, passed away or something like that, even though that goes further. But it has the power within that sperm. Once, once it's linked with the egg of the woman, it has the power to create the image of God and bring it forth into this world. And I think that, you know, may God help us. And, and maybe that I think, I think thinking about this, just as we repent of abortion, I think we should also repent of the way we have treated um, the sperm that God has given to man is to be retreated in because it bears within it the potential for the for the for the bringing forth of of the image of God in the world and doesn't this world need that image oh yes it does why is there not the army of christians you know resisting evil today it's because we have just refused to have them because we have had a mindset that's really come you know straight from the enemy himself deceived us in the with the media with even in the from the church platform very often and it's just many many ways we have been deceived in this matter but we need yes. we need to come back to it oh i believe <clears throat> it and uh, i oh i think we need such a revival in this area I, i'm thinking of um, a few years ago serene was um talking with me on the podcast and i always remember she had her youngest little solly sitting with her and uh, solly I think she was about one year old then. She's now five years old. My, how the time goes. And, and we were talking about life together. And I remember Serene saying, Oh, my goodness, little Solly is here beside me. Imagine if I didn't have her. It's just too incredible. And look at her, her personality. God had a vision for her. Imagine if I had said to God, No, God. I don't want her. I don't care for your desire to have her in eternity with you. And wow, that's another powerful thought. When we stop having children, we don't only just stop one child. We stop a dynasty, a whole dynasty, because our children grow up to marry and have children and their children to marry and have children. We now have many, many great-grandchildren coming on. They are dynasties. But also the most powerful, powerful thing of all is that when we say no to life, we actually deny a person whom God intended to come forth into the world and not just to this world, but to eternity. And we deny them eternity. You think, oh, well, what does that matter? They never know that they ever um, were denied it. They never know. But how can we think like that? I mean, eternity. I mean, it is just so glorious. The glories of the eternal world, the glories that are beyond the scope of our human minds to comprehend, um, why would we want to deprive a, a child that God would give us of these glories to come? Oh my, we, we, we have deprived, the Christian church has deprived mm-hmm. millions of, of glory who, who could have just 
being in the glorious eternity, we will, right now, we can just never understand how glorious it will be. It'll be beyond what our minds can ever, ever imagine. And who would want to stop a child from having the privilege of having eternity with God? Yes, I notice you have written here, the devil hates life and his kingdom is a kingdom of death. This is the second last paragraph. Um, John 10.10 says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The anti-life trio, he does this through contraception, sterilization, and abortion. The devil wants to eliminate life before it's even conceived. That's an interesting statement. The devil wants to eliminate life before it's even conceived through contraception and sterilization. Abortion, then, is just the backup plan. And that's tragic, but it's the same spirit. It's the same spirit that tries to stop the seed from being fertilized. It's the same spirit that wants the baby, when it is fertilized, when it's in the womb, to be destroyed. Yes, so it's time to pray. Mm. All right, Lord, we thank you um, that, Lord, you have given to mankind procreativity so that, Lord, your glorious image in all its fullness shall be manifested across this world to push back, to push back all evil and darkness. And Lord, it's through the righteous examples of life. As people go forward, Lord, and babies are born and, 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 ra- and are raised up in a godly home. And Lord, and they come out of those homes to bring forth your light and your glory, and to increase the knowledge of the Lord in their generations. And so, Lord, here we are standing in a very, very difficult time when, when the world is trying to destroy mankind, um, bring back, bring down the, the population of the earth, the 500 million from six or seven billion people, and bring it down. Lord, we see how wicked and how far away man has become. Forgive us, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 